Hello, and welcome to the Nutrition and Life Podcast. This is where we look at various nutrition and fitness-related topics through the lens of application. We want to give you practical takeaways so that you can create your healthiest, best self backed by knowledge. Now, on to the episode with your host, Coach Lisa. Hello, and welcome back to the Nutrition and Life Podcast. My name is Lisa, I'm your host, and today I have the pleasure of speaking with Josh Pierce. Josh is another nutrition coach who specializes in helping women lose weight mostly, but he does so in a very sustainable way. So our philosophies and our um, methods align on a lot of points. I have spoken to Josh many times before, a couple of times in my Facebook lives, and we have actually, no, I don't think we have met in person, but we went through a similar certification and um, with nutrition coaching with the nutrition coaching institute and um, so yes uh, it's a true pleasure talking to you today Josh. Thank you so much for having me on I'm excited to share my story and hopefully um, share some nuggets that could help some people maybe make some positive changes in their life as well so thank you. Uh, I I know that some of our listeners um follow you as well or have heard of your coaching as well but if you just want to briefly introduce yourself in the sense of how did you get into nutrition coaching where are you located how old are you um, just a little bit about yourself and your life absolutely so um, I currently live in Austin Texas I've lived here for about a year and a half and is absolutely beautiful here I don't know that I ever want to leave um, <laughs> and uh, how did I come into coaching so this was kind of a story of I was a former fat kid myself. You know, I you know, look back 12, 13 years ago, I was at my heaviest weight, lowest point mentally, um, and, you know, really struggled to recognize myself and who I was and went on this growth path to change my body. At least that's how it started was I need to, I need to fix this stupid body. And um, I did that and, you know, fumbled through a lot of different things and finally found my way with a sustainable approach that worked for me. And then over time, friends and family and coworkers started reaching out and, and saying, Hey, could you maybe give me some pointers? Could you kind of help me out? And I did that. And I realized, you know, this is incredible being able to give other people this gift of this sustainable lifestyle and, and, you know, helping them find their authenticity again. So I realized that um, I could help my friends and family better if I had a coaching process mm -hmm. and then I had a process. And then I was like, I could, wow, I could have a better process if I had a business. So I started this business as a side hustle and, and I was working full-time law enforcement at the time. And uh, yeah, it, it, it started as a side hustle. That's all it was ever going to be. And then over time, the, as I was helping people change their lives, the passion really grew. And there was this tipping point where I was more passionate about coaching than I was about going to work in my, you know, nine to five law enforcement job. So made the jump and uh, about four Very years later, here we are. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yeah, I think that is um, sort of when we first started speaking because we were, well, going through the same certification, but we also realized we were both uh, in law enforcement and kind of wanted to get out of it um, for the sake of following our passion. So it's super cool. And I know that your business now is is absolutely thriving. You have several assistant coaches and um, just the amount of progress pictures and transformations, I guess, um, that you share on your social media is super cool to see as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, it, it's very exciting to, to grow our impact, to grow our mission. We actually just hired two assistant coaches. So uh, we have two coaches starting at the same time and, and it's a fun, exciting transition. Very fun. 
Super cool. And yeah, before we started recording, um, Josh and I were actually speaking about something that I had only briefly heard of. Um, and that is the fact that he did an incredible, uh, incredible thing truly uh, several years ago. I think it was about four years ago that you mentioned. Um, he, sh he donated uh, one of his kidneys to his father. And the reason why I had thought of that now was because um, I can imagine that that was a super drastic event in your life of course but also from a physical perspective like incredibly hard on your body um and just mentally building back up from that from not being able to exercise for so long from you know various nutritional strategies that probably went into that as well so i'm super curious about that and maybe you can share with us a little bit what it was like Absolutely. Um, to give a little bit of context to the situation. So my father, um, at the time, what, maybe 54, 55 years old, uh, type one diabetic since he was 12 years old. So he was basically told at the age of 12 that he was going to live a shorter life and he was going to deal with kidney failure and he was going to deal with X, Y, and Z at some point in his life. Um, so I remember when I was about 16 years old, my dad had pulled my brother and I, my brother, two years younger than me, pulled us into the driveway at, at home and, and had said, Hey, you know, keep this between us. But at some point I will need to go through a kidney transplant because my kidneys are failing. It's not imminent. It's, you know, it could be 10 years from now. It could be 20 years from now, but at some point it's going to have to happen. Um, and that was how we left it. And it just kind of just got tucked in the back of the mind, actually kind of forgot about it for the next like 10 years. Um, but uh, I remember that day, like like him sharing that and thinking, man, like it would be really cool to to be able to get, gift that. And I almost felt like a little bit of competition with my brother. I and mean, we never spoke of it or anything, but I almost felt like, man, I hope that gets to be me. Um, so anyways, fast forward, what, 14, 14 years, 13 years later. And, you know, my dad gives me a call and he says, hey, you know, I, I, I'm not sure if you recall years ago, I shared this with you. Of course I recall that. Um, this is getting close. Don't know when it's going to be, but in the next few months and before he even could get out the, the question of, you know, would you be open to getting tested to see if this could be a match? I was immediately like, yes, dad, whatever I need to do, like, just let me know. Um, so I was very excited to have that opportunity. And there was a lot of uncertainty, a lot of unknowns, but I didn't think of any of that. I thought of how how much pain my father was in, how mm -hmm. limited he was in his energy and a lot of, you know, like how much it just affected his quality of life going through renal failure. It was like, like he had a very low tank of gas all the time. Um, mm -hmm. So it was really cool to be able to do that. Uh, but anyways, so leading up to this beautiful, beautiful experience, they made it so easy. If anybody here is ever interested in like donating an organ they make it so easy. Like I didn't have to pay a dollar. It did no, nothing with my insurance. Like it was all like served on a platter to me. Um, they even set it up so that I could get the blood work, you know, where I was living at the time and, and all of that. The only thing I had to pay for was the flight to go do it. And that was in Chicago where near, near where my parents live. Um, so very cool experience leading up to it. Um, I remember going in to the surgery, you know, right as the anesthesia was about to hit, you know, they were, you know, kind of going through my rights and everything and saying, you know, you, you can change your mind at any time. And, and are you sure you still want to do this? And I was like, yeah, 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 come on. Yeah, yeah, I'm doing it. <laughs> Not changing my mind. Um, so that was it. Um, I went in and, and, you know, it was just an afternoon experience or a morning experience. 
my dad the same exact day, the same exact operating room. Um, so it was really cool to be able to share that with him. Um, and, uh, yeah, I thought I was just going to go in and, and donate this kidney and go through this recovery process and come out on the other side, the exact same. It was not like that at all. It was a very, uh, life-changing experience in a lot of different ways. Um, the first being very humbled by the limitations I had to work with at that time. Um, I didn't know what recovery would be like. I didn't really ask. I didn't really care. It wasn't going to change, you know, whether I did it or not, but I found out that for the first six weeks afterwards that I could not lift more than 10 pounds. That was like my duffel bag to go to fly back home to where I was living was probably 30 pounds. Like I couldn't even do basic things around the house. Like a gallon of milk is probably about 10 pounds. Um, so very limited there. All right, great. We can work through this. Um, so I got to about the four week mark after surgery. And that was where I had like noticed I had full mobility again, and I could move and bend and all the things that I needed to do. And I was like, great, I feel perfect. Like I feel like I'm back to normal, um, which was great, but now feeling back to normal, but not being able to get back to training and those things mm -hmm. that, that um, were such a huge part of my life a month prior was very difficult for me. Um, I didn't get, I didn't really go anywhere in that month. I was at home while my friends were at work. So I had a lot of time to like sit and sit with my thoughts and ruminate in that. And what I experienced in that time was a lot of, a lot of resistance to the change that I was going through. Um, some identity crisis and, um, I'll share a little bit about what I mean by that in a minute. Um, but it was, it was just a very challenging experience, like almost like hitting a new low mentally through that time. Um, mm. and that was, that was, that was really challenging because I just, you know, had to, had been put, taken out of my routines and, and the things that, that had me feeling so. Yeah. You shared earlier that you basically entered this at the peak of your physical fitness and like 180 pounds or whatever you know super lean uh, strong feeling your vitality basically through the roof and then going through something like that and also being known as you know the fit guy the 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 shredded person the person that works out and then suddenly you have all this time on your hands and you you lost how many pounds how so I was uh 195 pounds 95 when I went into the surgery. And that was like I was <laughs> I I, I was like jacked. Like I would that I, I had been working for years to get to this place. And mm -hmm. on the other side of that, you know, six, eight weeks later, I had lost about 20 pounds, most of which was muscle. Mm -hmm. I didn't have much fat on my body. Um, mm -hmm. so everything I lost was you know, a lot of, um, atrophy. And, um, that was what, what really made it challenging with the identity crisis that I was working through was that prior to that, that surgery, my identity was, was tied to what I saw in the mirror. Mm -hmm. It was tied to the broad shoulders and the six pack and the big chest. And, and like, when I looked in the mirror, I saw years of hard work and I saw masculinity mm -hmm. and, after the donation, I would look in the mirror and I didn't see that. Mm -hmm. And when you've associated your identity to what you see when you look in the mirror, and then 
that changes, that leaves a void of like, who am I? What is my identity? Like, what what about all those years of hard work? Um, you know, like it, it was one of the most challenging at the time is one of the most challenging things that I've ever experienced. Yeah, I, I absolutely believe that I have been fortunate so far that I haven't had to go through any major injuries or anything like that. The reason why I initially thought of this topic, um, as I shared with you was, um, because I know a lot of my clients or people in general are, have an injury from time to time, and they often panic at first, even if it's just a week or two where you need to pause. And during that time, I always say like, Hey, okay. Atrophy doesn't happen that quickly. You know, don't worry about that. And especially like, sometimes we actually bounce back from injuries stronger because we don't take enough rest beforehand and so on. So I do generally want to take that fear away from people, but I also know that many other people who have gone through actual surgery of some sorts, um, their recovery afterwards is also like they can come back stronger too it's it's a lot mental though but especially during that time if you associate with being an athlete or that that fit person that's known in your circle of friends perhaps um but you also said uh, a good point which i didn't even think of and that was it 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 could be a similar transition or a mental shift to for example someone going through pregnancy of course, that's a you know joyful event also. Um, but then throughout that time, you are many people report that they don't feel like they're themselves anymore. Their body doesn't feel like it's theirs anymore, either before or even after. I thought that that was super interesting. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's it's. I found a lot of commonalities with the women I was working with at the time because most of the women I work with have, you know, they've had kids. So they've experienced that. Um, and at some point they probably, you know, a lot of these women, you know, had this body that they really cherished and, and, you know, they looked in the mirror and they're like, damn, this is sexy. And, and then they go through, you know, the, the process of having kids and, and life kind of getting away from them. And they don't, they don't recognize themselves in that way anymore. So I could, for the first time in my life, I could relate to what a lot of the women were sharing with me of like, I just want to get back to who I was before. I just want to get back to what I looked like before. And I, I, I understood that. And I mean, it's been four years and I'm, I'm not back to where I was before. Now my goals have shifted and, and it's not, it's not my goal to, you know, put on 20 pounds of muscle and, and just be as big as I can anymore either. Um, but it was, yeah, I was really able to relate to them and, you know, it was, it, it, it was exactly this. It was going into the experience. My identity was tied to what I saw when I looked in the mirror. So then what happened when what I saw when I looked in the mirror changed, it created that, that wonky identity crisis, I guess I'll call it, um, where I wasn't really sure of what that was anymore. And, and where a woman can relate to that, you know, of course, just making an assumption here is the same type of thing. You, 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 your identity is attached to, you know, what you see and, and maybe even the free time that you have and what you do in your free time. And then you go through a life transition, a big life transition, a beautiful one. Mm -hmm. And, and you have a hard time enjoying it because we're so resistant to that change. We, we don't want that to change. And one of the biggest lessons that I took away from that was what I associate my identity with. If you associate your identity with something that's that um, that can change your body, your job, your financial status, where you live, like any of that, then 
it's going to get really uncomfortable when you experience changes. Yeah, but, I think, I think, oh, sorry, carry on. But, I say, but if you associate your identity to something that, that doesn't change, something that's a little bit more static, like, uh, like your underlying values as a person. Now, when your body changes or your career changes or your life changes in a very positive way, now you're not left thinking, oh my gosh, this was a huge setback. You can actually embrace the change and receive everything that is to come of that. Mm. I I mean, I'm a huge proponent of stoic literature and certainly that's, that's a big core point of what um, I guess the philosophy is all about, um, not being tied to anything or attached to anything, but I won't lie. I'm very certain that if anything like that happened, I would struggle very much. Um, I mean, all we can do is prepare ourselves mentally as best as possible for anything like that to happen or also just throughout, I guess, talking ourselves um, in a positive way through it and maybe surrounding ourselves with with the right environment as well, because I'm sure it wouldn't have helped if all you would have done during that time would have been um, walking past the gym and hanging out with your gym pumping buddies. <laughs> um, but yeah, I guess that brings me to the question, what were some main points that really got you through that? And you mentioned you were working with a coach, perhaps a little bit of a mentor during the time as well. Um, what other strategies would you even also, I guess, advise other people to perhaps adapt? Um, so the big one is that like what I just shared about not attaching your identity mm -hmm. to something that is it, that that can change as life changes was a very big one. Um, another one was, you know, just realizing that that this was a this was a, a very beautiful life event, like something that. I would never, ever, ever regret or anything like that. It was, it was incredible. It was amazing. And I wanted to be able to experience that fully and, and be happy about it and everything. Um, but recognizing that even if your identity is tied to how much you lift or your training routine or any of that, and you go through a life-changing event, um, maybe it's a, a death in the family or a childbirth or something like that, you're stepping into a different season of your life. Mm. And if we resist that season, it's it's going to create a lot of discomfort and we're going to run into a lot of challenge. But if you can like, like accept that you're that this is a new season, this is a life change and and maybe my goals can change a little bit during that time as well. Like I I I really felt like a failure for not um I guess for like for the lack of training that I was able to do and all of that. Like, I was like, man, I really feel like I'm failing and, and I'm going to lose all this progress. And what helped me really get through that was recognizing how incredible of an experience this was, that this is a temporary life change season that I'm going through. And that in that time, my goals can change temporarily. And that on the other side of that, I could totally get right back to where I was. I can make the goal be to go back to, you know, the same weight, the same size, but being open to, those life changes, just like a, just like a mother who, you know, is, 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 you know, giving birth to her first child, for example, it's, it's, that doesn't mean that you're letting go of your fitness or your health or your priorities. It means maybe for a short period of time, this other thing moves up the priority list and, and becomes more important for the time being. 
But I think yeah, the shift of focus is 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 a really great point. Um, I I do have a question in terms of just recommendations or what you did when it comes to nutrition throughout the recovery process as well. And I'm sure this is probably a little bit different um, to recovery in general from injury or from surgery. But yeah, what what were some things that um, you did in order to bring your health back up to you know, um, the highest it could be as quickly as possible or, and, and what with that overlaps with um, general recommendations for people that recover from injury or sickness or, or childbirth. Absolutely. So, um, well, going into the donation, I had chatted with my coach about like, like, Hey, look, I, I have this going on. I want to make sure that nothing gets in the way of this. Like, I want to make sure that, that my blood work all looks good and everything looks good. So we had a, about six to eight weeks of lead time to where I could start making some, some positive changes with food quality and things like mm -hmm. that. Um, and on the other side of that, when it got back to like, once I've had a normal appetite again and everything like that, I had, it was like, I had already paid my dues and created some positive habits that I could fall back mm -hmm. into. Um, whereas it would have been way harder if I just went into the donation didn't make any changes. And then on the other side, I'm like, okay, great. I've got to eat for recovery and I've got to learn how to do this and all of that. So it, I had a little bit of a leg up there because I was working with a coach who could guide me. I was so lost. I was like, dude, I, I, I want to make sure I don't screw this up. Like, can you please help me? What do I need to do? And it was great. I didn't have to do any thinking behind it. I just got to execute, but nutritionally, um, some of the big changes were one, my energy expenditure dropped significantly. Of course. Yeah. With the drop in muscle mass. And then of course right. you're, you're well, actually training. Yeah. yeah. So I wasn't training. I wasn't moving, you know, going on, you know, an hour and a half of walks a day. So my energy expenditure dropped significantly. So the, one of the biggest changes that, that came out of that right away was I've got to eat a lot less. So, mm -hmm. um, you know, I, I, for the, for the first while of it, I was, you know, eating pretty intuitively. I shared, it was kind of like a low point mentally. So it was like a, just kind of getting by kind of thing. But once I started getting back into the gym and training about six weeks after, that was when I really started getting dialed in with my nutrition again and tracking my calories and what I was eating. Um, so that was a big difference was dropping that down. Um, because my energy expenditure was a lot lower, I didn't notice a huge difference. It wasn't like I was like, oh man, this is really hard. I'm starving. Yeah. Um, so that was a big one. Food quality was huge. Um, you know, now I'm I my body is going through this recovery phase and I wanted to do everything I possibly could to help my body recover faster and without any issue. So food quality, making sure I'm getting, you know, the highest quality fuel, as much fuel as I possibly need. So like, I mean, I, my situation, I didn't need to lose any more weight. I lost more than I was comfortable with. So I didn't want to put myself into like a calorie deficit. I can see where a lot of women recovering through something like that after giving birth or something may instantly want to put themselves into a calorie deficit to you know, try and overcompensate for some of the weight that they may have put on or whatever. And that, in, in, in that case, like I just remember when your body is going through recovery, it needs as much fuel as possible, mm -hmm. but that depriving yourself of calories, it's going to make it harder. It's going to drag out the recovery process, potentially create some issues. So that was kind of the big thing was just being aware of what season I was in, what was the new goal now for me, it was really getting back to like the, the mind muscle connection and stability and, and, and stabilizing some of the, the muscles in my body, um, in a way that I had never before. Um, I will say with my training, that was a big, 
a big change. Um, so going into it, I, I lifted big, heavy weights. And on the other side of it, I had a 10 pound weight restriction for six weeks. So about two weeks of training with 10 pounds or less, and then six weeks of 25 pounds or less. So being a guy who, you know, would go and load up the bar with a few plates and, and squat, you know, 300 plus pounds or whatever, like that was new to me. And I was like, almost like, a, what's the point? What's the point if I can't even lift the weights? I might as well just start six weeks later. Um, but my coach, brilliant, programmed in like different movements that played into my weight limitations. So I could only lift 25 pounds. So what I would do was a lot of single leg, single arm movements. Um, I would do a lot of tempo type stuff. So I was doing really slow mm -hmm. movements, um, you know, some th like blood flow restriction and supersets and things that would tax me in a way that I had never, ever experienced before. So it was really humbling. Like, wow, I'm, I'm this guy over here that's really struggling with this 10 pound dumbbell. Um, but it changed me forever. Because from that point on, I realized it, it, it like it helped me dissolve my ego in some way. Yeah. It, it like I, I don't need this this big commercial gym with a lot of weight to get a good workout. I could do it here in the living room with with you know a couple dumbbells. I could do it in a hotel gym or something like that. So it helped me get past a lot of those mental blocks that I had created for myself previously. I bet, and I bet a lot of people. Um view exercise as the same thing or especially if we struggle with all or nothing thinking in general it's kind of like what yeah what's the point of it but even 20 minutes or even 10 minutes of something often is is worth it and I think you mentioned some great other points in the sense of nutrition leading up being super important but also afterwards I have had um, several people wanting to you know put coaching etc on hold while when they find out that they're pregnant, um, et cetera. And I, I always say, can only encourage you to keep going. Like your nutrition right now is actually so important, not necessarily for in the sense of, Hey, we need to make sure you're not gaining that much weight. No, not at all. More in the sense of food quality, you can do so much, so much goodness. Um, leading up to something like 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 an like a surgery or like having a child um with the right nutrition the right healthy fat still prioritizing protein and of course on the flip side as well as you said particularly if women choose to or are able to breastfeed um and so on you know we need to make sure we're still supplying enough calories for that as well um even though you are no longer carrying that baby. So I think um, there, again, are some 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 good parallels here. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I did want to uh, pick something back up that you mentioned earlier with the identity shift. So as we know, any kind of change, weight loss or otherwise, requires us to essentially become a different person or adapt a new identity. And when people do so successfully, I often hear that now they're experiencing more maybe friction or dis discrepancy, however you want to say it, with perhaps their spouses or with their circle of friends. So they might say things like, okay, now I, I want to eat healthy. Now he's angry at me because he cooked this dinner or he wants to go to this resort as we used to do every single year. And I kind of want to, but I also don't want to because I've made so much progress. Or they might say, I'm just, 
I, I, I want to keep, you know, drinking on the weekends with my friends um, because that's just what we used to do. But at the same time, I know it's going to hold me back. Uh, and I find that that it's such a hard um, point in life because they have come so far. And at the same time, it's it's difficult because some people, of course, we kind of have to we have to leave behind if someone like actively pulls you back. I think sometimes, um, especially when it's quote unquote just friends, um, sometimes weighs part. Some people are just meant to be in your life for a certain period of time, but of course, if it's like your overall family, maybe even like your mom or whatever, like it's what do you do? Like how. Do you experience some of these similar issues with your clients or even perhaps yourself as well? Absolutely. I mean, it's definitely something I've experienced myself. It's something I experience every day with the women that we work with. Um, how do you navigate that? And, and it's something that I would venture to make the assumption that we've all experienced that at some point. Mm -hmm. We've either experienced it as we've been the one who's evolved and it's left someone else feeling fearful, intimidated, you know, left behind, whatever associated feelings there. Or on the other side of it, maybe you've seen someone evolve and you've not really appreciated that or you felt left behind as a result of that. So I would assume that most listeners here have been on either side of that at one point. Um how do you navigate that? And this is this is how I choose to navigate that and how I would help, help a client navigate through that is one, you need to get clear on what your values are. Mm -hmm. Like that's the cornerstone of all of this. And most people have values, but just aren't clear on what they are. So when things change or they start to, you know, I, I see it a lot with women, they, they embark on this, this health and fitness journey. And then, um, We've got partner at home that's that's trying to hold them back and trying to, you know, keep them drinking as much as they were before and, and a lot of those old habits and it becomes this push-pull battle. The, one of the first things they do is, is help that person identify like what are their values? Like what is what's truly important to them? And what we find out is maybe, maybe it's you know, like, um, you know, family and my my health and vitality and and um you know, just, just connection and just living a life that, that, that I, 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 I'm obsessed with and feeling good. Like maybe that, maybe that's someone's values and, you know, very simple, but you know, like, like, like the simple, simple desires in life. Now, if you get clear on those, now, you know what your values are. Now you, you know, like, like it, it's, it's solid. And now when you start to have conversations or you start to, um, you want to communicate that or whatever, now you're not wavering in this. Well, I don't really know what I want. I don't really know what I like. So it has to start with what are your values? What are your like truest desires at the core? And then from there, now that you know who you are and what, what matters to you, now you can take that. My next step is communicate, communicate. Mm. So communicate to this person how, how, you know, what your values are. You know, that you've taken some time, you, you like your values are this and, and maybe even share, you know, like, like I feel as though I'm not supported, you know, in, in, and addressing that, communicating that in a way that doesn't come across as pointing fingers or blame. Like you don't support me. Like, no, that's very attacking. But in the way of like that thing that you said, it made me feel not supported. 
It made me feel like my values aren't as important. It made me feel like this. So now you're opening up a conversation about it. Nothing's going to change if you if you don't communicate how you feel. And it's it's very important because a lot of times, you know, I think of I think of uh, you know a client of mine who's gone on this journey. This you know they've hired a coach and they've made these changes and they've started to evolve, and and they they share that their husband isn't very supportive. And when we dig in and we find, well, how much of this have you communicated to him? Well, I haven't. Well, how can you expect him to see it like you do if he if you've never shared any of that with him? So you'd be surprised what simply communicating, hey, I really don't feel comfortable with with how I how I look and how I feel right now. And I really want to go on this journey to change that. And it's going to require a shift in my priorities and it's going to, you know, it's going to take a little more time out of my schedule and stuff. And, and it might even mean that I'm not sitting on the couch watching Netflix after dinner every night, but instead mm-hmm. I'm doing X, Y, and Z, or maybe I'm, I'm going to go to bed a little earlier and I'm going to get up and, and go to the gym in the mornings because it's really important to me that I, that I do that because I really want to feel better. Mm-hmm. I don't, you know, like, like sharing those things. And now they have an opportunity to actually support you. And if they don't at that, that point, I, I, I no, I love that absolutely. Of course, the support um would be the best case scenario, let's just say. And, and as you say, oftentimes uh we just expect that or people to see that naturally. Um I think what we can more realistically expect though is perhaps the partner or the other people in the family to stay neutral. Um I don't necessarily think quote unquote demanding or or hoping for support um is always realistic oftentimes as i mentioned earlier i find that people are even showing resistance and i think in those cases um it can be helpful to be reminded that if your partner is resistant or almost seemingly putting rocks into the way it can sometimes be um them their fear of losing you showing up essentially so they might be afraid okay now she's changing or he or whatever, um, I might not be good enough anymore. So I'm trying to pull her back because I don't want to change or I'm not ready to change yet. Uh, and and I think um, instead of just seeing like, oh, he's sabotaging me, he's doing that on purpose, he brought home my favorite cake, he knows I can't resist, even though I told him I don't want to have, you know, blah, 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 those kind of things. It's it's not with a bad intention in most cases. In most cases, it, re- it really is them partner being fearful of losing you so I think the the best thing that you can do is again like you say communicate like hey I'm going on this journey I love you the way you are you know you do whatever all and and even if you have the desire that your partner changes with you or or other family members it doesn't have to be your partner it can be your mom or whatever I have found from personal experience but also um with clients that trying to make them change hardly ever works the best thing you can do is lead by example and in a few months time they will probably see the shifts you have gone through the positive transformations how consistent you have been how better much better your energy levels are how much happier you are whatever and they might be like oh starting to ask a question here and there they probably won't take the advice on Still, not yet. Maybe a few months later, they will ask a few more questions. Maybe half a year later, they'll ask, oh, can I join you on your walk? 
and you know that this is in my opinion in my ex with my experience how you quote unquote um get or motivate family members to change with you but you cannot make them change expect them to change expect them even to support you yes you can ask them to not make things harder for you but um certainly demanding something like that um in my experience doesn't work yeah yeah it, it's what, what we typically see is a few different scenarios that kind of play out here and, and lisa maybe you can share a few if these resonate with you is you know we look at you know having that hard conversation or you know like like when someone goes on that journey and, and the partner isn't supportive um you know a couple scenarios are one they become neutral like all right babe, whatever whatever you need to do for you I, I i'm here i'm not gonna go on that journey right i'm not i'm not doing that that's you but but i'm here so like I, i'm not gonna hold you back exactly. and then there's and then there's the anything you can do anything i can do to support you like what can i do can i can i go on this journey with you can i support you like what can i do so there's the the, the really positive side mm -hmm. and then there's more of the negative side which is more of a the fear of losing you the intimidation that comes with that the you know like like their egoic mind starts to control them and and probably takes them down the why is she doing this is she doing this because she wants to be more attractive is this for other people like a mm -hmm. lot of that um and and navigating that this is where it can be very saddening you know as a coach to see because it because it's like they're they're climbing right and they they keep getting pulled down by their significant mm -hmm. other anytime they start to make progress it's that sabotaging feeling and i typically say you know as you said like be the example like the if you want your partner to change the best thing you can do is just do it for you and, and show him how amazing it actually is. So a lot of times what we see is either the partner keeps pulling him down and it causes a relationship to maybe grow apart. Like, man, I, I'm really realizing maybe this isn't for me. I've evolved and he's kind of staying the same and that, and it's terrifying. But mm -hmm. if your growth leads to growing apart from someone who in the past was for you, I mean, it's it's going to be hard. I'm not I'm not saying it's not going to be hard, especially if it's a relationship, if it's a marriage, and there's kids. Like, mm. but if you grow apart, now you get to decide. What do I do with this? Do I revert back to my old ways because that's what that's what keeps this family working, or do I keep going and potentially grow apart in this relationship? And that I think we see that a lot, and it's you know probably. <laughs> I, 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 you know, I, I laugh because it's like, it's one of those things where we see, we see a lot and I'm not proud of it. Like, I don't want to be like the, you know, like empowering people so much that, that they're growing out of their relationships and, and, you know, causing people to divide. But at the same time, if I'm helping you become more of your authentic self and empowering you to, to live out your dream, your passion, and that causes you to leave friends behind, I think that's a win. Because Absolutely. you're a step closer to the life you truly want to live. And maybe that means you weren't truly happy in that situation. And you've been Absolutely. Otherwise you wouldn't have wanted to change anyway. And that's exactly, as you say, you are, you're kind of at the, this, uh, where the road splits, like, what do I do? Do I lower myself back down to quote unquote, make it work? But if you're being honest with yourself, was it working in the first place? Because probably not. Otherwise, you wouldn't have thought about changing. You wouldn't have been in this pre-contemplation stage. And that's exactly exactly, um, exactly it too. It's not always just the partner 
um, who could be someone who might uh, want to sabotage our th that journey. Oftentimes, it's also that people self start to self sabotage because they notice how they're growing and perhaps they notice more distance from their partner. They notice, oh, my friends aren't inviting me to all these things anymore. They're maybe, maybe they're starting to talk behind my back. Maybe they're saying I'm being obsessive. Maybe what I'm doing is not quote unquote normal or is not quote unquote healthy anymore. And then people, it gets to your subconscious and you might start to self-sabotage by, ah, oh, just this weekend, I'm going to go out with them again. And it turns into a bender or, oh, okay, well, I'm not going to prep my meals anymore just this week or just this once and you're back in your old routine um that is yes 100 in order to remain in your peer group or to go back to that safety because evolution wants you to be part of those groups they are your safety zone but you need to realize that you actually need to break out of that everything that is considered normal and what everyone else does is most likely actually not healthy or is not advancing you forward. So those two pieces of self of sabotage, potentially people in your environment or yourself, um, they they can often be the biggest hurdles in in my opinion when people try or want to change. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's it's. I, I feel like it's something we see in in maybe a majority of the people we work with at some point. It, it's it's my friends. I just, I don't want to spend time with my friends anymore. Like, like the things that I used to do, I don't enjoy that anymore. I don't like sitting around and, and gossiping and, and talking, you know, negative about people and, and, you know, just drinking unconsciously and, and those kinds of things. So we, we, we see a lot of that. And then there's this FOMO or this, there's this um feeling of, I feel like, like I'm letting my friends down. I feel like I need to do that to appease them. Um, but that's where knowing what your values are is so important. Yeah. Oh, I like love that. That's the cornerstone of all of this. And your values are doing what makes you happy or whatever they are. You can always fall back on that. I love it. Thank you. That was a that was a beautiful way to round this off. And I, I certainly am mindful of the time as well. I want to honor your time. So I'm super happy that we got to speak today. And um, for anyone who is more interested in your stuff, I know you have a podcast as well. If you just want to share the name of your podcast, where people can find you online, that would be awesome. Absolutely. So you can find me on Instagram at the Josh Pierce, T-H-E-J-O-S-H-P-I-E-R-C-E. -E. Um, and um, my podcast is Fit to be Fierce podcast. Um, so check it out. It's on Apple, Spotify. It's on all the all the podcast platforms. But yeah, if anybody was moved in any way, if you, you if any of this resonated with you, I would love it if you could just shoot me a message and let me know. Um, I I really enjoy sharing my story. It's it's something that I know can help a lot of other people. I know has actually helped inspire other people to go on and, and say, you know, I'd, I'd like to be a donor or I have a family member who's asking you this. And, and you know, I, I think I'm curious about it now. So don't be afraid to reach out, questions, message, whatever. Um, and I want to share one thing about the, the organ donation thing, because I am so passionate about it. I it it can be kind of um you know terrifying to thought think of like oh my gosh i might have to go in, you know into surgery and and get cut open and and this i want to let you know like it was not a painful experience at all it mm. was like like it was it was not painful at all i didn't feel anything the the recovery was was the the challenging part it was a mental battle for sure but i mean i was i was walking in 2 days 
Um, I went home two and a half days after the operation. Um, you know, 10 days later, I was able to go out with, um, out with some friends and, and, you know, go out and enjoy myself. And a month later I felt perfectly fine. So, and it was, it was something that it literally gave my father a new lease on life. He had immediately more energy and immediately it was like this brand new person that we hadn't seen in a long time. And I just want to share that to be able to give someone that gift. It's so rewarding. And if, if you ever have an opportunity, at least consider it, at least, at least consider getting tested because there's a lot of process that has to happen from the time you get tested to like, are you actually chosen? So if you're interested, like don't put the block in front of you before the getting tested part, like get tested, go through the process, find out if it's a match and then decide later on if it's something that you want to do. Awesome. Beautiful. Thank you so much for sharing your story and yeah, everyone go and check out Josh's stuff. (laughs) Thank you so much for having me on Lisa. I appreciate it. Thank you for tuning in. If you enjoyed today's episode, don't forget to subscribe leave a review or share the episode on social. Very much appreciated. You can also follow us on Instagram at nutrition, coaching, and life, or head to our website, www.nutritioncoachingandlife.com, where we provide more valuable content. Have a wonderful day. Now go out and work on your best self.